Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. We are recording. Everyone good? Look like a happy group. This Everybody was sort of like down and like sleepy last week. So hopefully... The holidays are here. Yeah, wow. how did that happen? I was just saying before we came on that, I mean, I literally just put the stuff back up in the attic and now I got to go back up and get it back down. Um, yeah. Right? I'm having my my annual capitalism, consumerism, existential dread moment earlier this year because I feel like I need to shop earlier because of the supply chain issue. So it'll be nice to get that out of the way earlier. You're probably not going to find half of what you're looking for anyway, Galen. So don't don't stress about it. I feel like when it comes to the kids stuff, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Like we've been told, like you better start shopping right now because everything's going to run out. But like so far, I'm still seeing stores pretty well stocked. And you know what? Head on down to the wharf shop. Head on down to Stevenson's. Or you know what? We can do what the Who's did and just come out and sing Yahoo Dore and just forget about the commercialism aspect of Christmas and right. not buy anybody anything this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, so manning the controls again is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And we also have Joe Shaw here today. Hello, Joe. Happy Thanksgiving, Annette. It's Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. And Catherine G. Manu, a.k.a. Georgie. Hey, Anna, it's Georgie. I'm one of the publishers of the Express News Group. And I just got to tell you, I'm really thankful for everybody in this room. Aww. Aww. Aww shucks. <laughs> and also here is Kaylin Riley. And Kaylin is one of our writers extraordinaire who has written quite a bit about a specific part of Thanksgiving, which we'll be talking about in a bit. Hey, Kaylin. Hi. That's it? Nothing. Usually you have a lot more to say, at least in your stories, because they're all uh, really long. Is too hungry. Let <laughs> eat. What's I'm in what's the what's the opposite of a food coma? I'm that's where I am at right now because we talked about all this food and I'm hungry. What do the Seattle fans say? Let Russell eat. Let Kaylin eat. <laughs> I'm wasting away over here. I want like to go downstairs and someone to have magically made like sweet potato casserole. And point is, this is airing on Thanksgiving. So by the time you hear that, you will be well fed with sweet potato casserole. Well, so, and I, I'm Annette Hinkle and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And I love you all. I have to tell you, Dana and I have adopted the Yahoo Dore Christmas where we have excused each other from buying presents for each other from now to eternity and what an amazing uh huge weight lifted off your shoulders it really is it's freeing my family members and i made that decision a couple of years ago why i'm going to spend a certain amount of money on a gift you're going to spend that same amount of money on a gift we're going to exchange it we're going to like it and we're not going to like it and and you know and then we're out that that amount of money i'd rather just um you know spend time and spend spend the money on being together and you know, and celebrating. And then next year you end up giving that person the gift they gave you because you forgot they were the ones that got it for you in the first place. All right. Don't, don't tell my, don't tell my brother. And I hope he's not listening to this. He wants, we have birthdays that are a few days apart and he sent me a gift card and I'm like, Oh, I didn't get him anything. So I sent him the gift card back and and I'm hoping he didn't realize it was the same gift card. It was a wash. It worked out really well. That's the, that's the subject of a commercial on TV right now about gas cards for, it's a hybrid car commercial, which I thought was actually pretty clever. You know, I'm also a really lousy gift giver, I think, or Dana is a really lousy gift receiver. And I'm not sure which it is. No, you're a, you're a, poor, you're a bad gift giver, Joe. It, it may well been, be. I've watched it develop over a number of years, Joe. And I have put my heart into the search and yeah. it just never- There's one thing, that never, one thing that never occurred to you, Joe, was wondering what she would want. No, that's not true. I spent a lot of time thinking about that and uh-huh. just 
fail miserably year after year after year. Mm -hmm. No question. Hmm, interesting. I'm off the hook now going forward. This has made the, the holiday season much right. less stressful. That would totally go over bad with my kids. I've actually had to lecture my older child who's 12. She's like, oh, I, you know, I'd really love this pair of high-waisted jeans from PacSun. And I'm like, girlfriend, Christmas is right around the corner. There's no shopping yeah. for things right now. It can all come at Christmas. You need new socks? Christmas is coming. Yeah, and I was going to say, maybe, Kaylin, maybe mm. you can convince your kids just not to not to get presents this year. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you totally down with that. They're not, they're not into consumer goods at all. <laughs> yeah. Debbie keeps asking me, like, Mom, can we go to Target today and buy some toys? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. No. The problem is when your kid, you know, like believes in Santa and they have their heart set on that one item that Santa's having difficulty making in his toy shop. Because I imagine that the labor crisis is also hitting the North Pole. Can, can you imagine how difficult it must be for Santa? Well, to yeah. find we have a we have a someone on the cusp of not believing and she found out something about the elf. But now I have contracted out the elf movement every uh, night her is this the shelf on oh. the elf or the elf on the shelf elf on the shelf that little bastard <laughs> this is going to be the most bleeped podcast of all time we have to bleep though do we have to bleep, yeah. have to bleep? happy <laughs> thanksgiving i think we're allowed to say whatever we want can't we <laughs> we, we can i think the listenership for our thanksgiving edition of the podcast may go down if we start it with Parental guidance is suggested. <laughs> so I think it'll go absolutely up. Maybe it would go up. <laughs> it might go up. Exactly. <laughs> Won't you just put that little E next to it and that? I don't know. Yeah, because I imagine there's a lot of eight-year-olds listening to our podcast. <laughs> so when Santa tried to give us an elf for our house, I politely declined Santa and told him that I was okay with not having an elf live in my house because it just seemed like a ton of work yeah so i'm sorry this came after my tenure as a, as a parent of a young child so the elf basically moves around the house every night right mm -hmm. it's a real like surveillance state kind of um vibe a little 1984 <laughs> there yeah that's really yeah does he leave any presents or anything behind or he he's just, like a mischief maker a lot of the times and then like it really depends on how deeply you get into yeah. it. Ours is a pretty minimalist. I mean, if you spend any time on Instagram and you're a mom um, like me, you already just feel like a terrible mother for not basically yeah. spending your entire year planning every night of your elf's existence. But Yeah, and when you get right. to be my age, Georgie, you feel like a terrible parent because you're not doing your college-age students' homework for them. So yeah. they'll continue. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of that. That's really fun to watch is the parents' page about moms who are just way too up in their kids' business. So. so Kaylin, I'm thinking of starting a side business mm -hmm. and a guy of my stature, I think I can spring for a really good Santa suit. Mm -hmm. And for moms like you, for, I don't know, I haven't priced it out yet, but let's say a hundred bucks. I show up at your house and stand around outside your house on Christmas Eve. And Santa visited my house one year when I was a kid yeah. and fell asleep on yeah. a couch in the living room. I swear to God, it was really Santa. And, did he and have my, a bottle of scotch with he, him or anything? He did not. And <laughs> and my I remember my mother shaking me awake, all excited. And you got to come downstairs. You never believe who's who's in the um, who's who's asleep on the couch in the living room. And it was fantastic. Although it was really strange because he gave us some coloring books and they had they had the uh, drugstore priced stickers on them. So I guess the elves were busy and and so he had to just pick up some some extra coloring books but that was elves know to pick those up and fill in the bag they're sure. not stupid right everyone knows that santa is a combination of handcrafted goods and he also sources sure, when he needs to yeah yeah do you think santa's like making xboxes <laughs> up on the north pole i don't think so <laughs> also i mean isn't the whole yeah. thing like shop shop Santa's local a man conglomerate at this point. Point. and when all other explanations fail you just say Santa has magic. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. So I'm going to 
get us into the Thanksgiving issue, but I will just circle back to what Annette just said, like shop local. And I really do think that's super important. Um, Especially the last couple of years. Yeah. Especially the last couple of years. And, you know, also when you shop locally, like you develop these amazing relationships, Um, you know, like Gwen and Nada at the wharf shop, you know, I go in there during the Christmas season and like Gwen is often like, already had like some ideas in mind for me. Like she's been thinking about it, knowing that I'm going to come into the store and is like, Oh, you should, you know, check this out. And you know, this is what we found this year at the Toy Fair. She's doing a personal shopper for you. It kind of feels like that. You get that kind of personal attention. And for listeners who don't know, you should know, but the workshop is located on main street in Sag Harbor. And it's just a really special little toy store so there and then even if you're shopping for adults like there's wonderful places like illusions a jewelry store on main street in sag harbor gavin usually goes there for me because you can find some affordable jewelry there and the hardware stores are you know good places to shop i mean there's just you can actually find a lot of stevenson's stevenson's yeah. toys is great they they have a, a lot of great old-fashioned and new newer toys and we yeah, like um, Lynn's in West Hampton Beach. That's stuff. a great shop. And yeah. stuff for adults too. Lots of gifts there. And um, even little um, roses and rice on Main Street in East Quag. They've got like lots of good gifts. These places also usually have really unique stuff. You know, like you go to like a big like box store, every one of them has the exact yeah. same, you know, yeah. toys. If you want something that you've never seen before, you're way better off walking into one of the local um, stores. Scotto's in Hampton Bays always has um italian uh various italian products that are a lot of fun to get around the holidays like if you you know you see facsimiles of italian cookies and things these are the real thing um mm. yeah it's nice nice to have martyrs and Bridgehampton is another really good one too their store has amazing unique stuff you're not going to find anywhere and like little things and big things and yeah so they also decorate it up. It's like a big barn and it's really cool. Um, they make it like a winter wonderland well, in there. We could keep going on this forever, but we have to give a shout out to Fowler's too. That's like a tradition in our family. We go there every year. Santa comes there and the kids all get to pick out one ornament oh, every special. year. And it's just like- And that is the real Santa, by the is. way, who comes to Fowler's. Yeah. I mean, we know there are there are Santa's you know helpers who go to places, but that- is the real scene the real deal that guy that's right yeah 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 since they Thank tore down you. the department store in Dayton, ohio where the real santa used to be well he had to go somewhere yeah. right when i was a kid that's where he hung out we even had growing up in dayton this is the coolest thing you know dayton ohio still has those trolley buses the ones on with the overhead wires and the two electric poles sticking up you ever seen those mm-hmm. so they still have those and i remember when i was a kid they had the christmas bus there was one bus that would go on all of these different routes and you never knew when it was. And when you got on that bus, there was a Christmas tree in the back and Santa was on the back of the bus. Oh. And you could go visit with Santa while you went downtown to, you know, do your shopping. I also, I love the parade of lights in Southampton village, which is coming back this year. Um, I believe it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly, I think that's when it is. Um, and Santa on the back of that last truck is always, no matter what age you are, that's a pretty, pretty awesome sight to see Santa arriving on the back of that truck, no question. And you're not a big, you're not a big parade fan either. No, so I don't like parades generally. That's, uh, you've, you've told my secret, but this is true. I've never been a big fan of parades. Uh, so do you hate lighthouses also? Oh no, I like lighthouses. But I, okay. I, I actually, usually like, I think that, you know. I'm not just covering here. I really do like the parade of lights. That's the one parade that's a lot of fun. And I think it's because it's at night and it's always a little chilly and it's always very festive. So, and I, you know, the crowds every, it seems like every year, I remember 20 years ago, the crowds for the parade of lights being kind of sparse, but it is a big event now. And it's really lovely for Southampton village. It gets, it gets a big crowd. It'll be good to have it back. I just looked it up for you, Joe. You're correct. It's going to be Saturday, November 27th at 4.45 PM in Southampton. And as everybody knows, you got to get there before that because you got to find a place to park and you want to get your spot on, on Job's Lane. Usually, I think there's a lot of people who go up the main street, too, but we always stick around down by the park in Job's Lane and you want to stick around for the tree lighting after. So, And Santa, of course, is always there in the uh, cultural center as well. And as Santa traditionally does, he's already upstaging 
what I would say is one of my favorite holidays, which is what we're really here to talk about, which is Thanksgiving. Or, or as Joe says it. Thanksgiving. Yes. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I just emphasize it a little different. That's all. It's just, it's, it's a Pittsburgh thing, I think. But you know what, Georgie, you're right. I think it's arguable. I, I don't remember if I saw this or not, that nationally, Thanksgiving is actually a more popular holiday now. It's, it's, I think it's because it's so much more, it has all the positives of Thanksgiving without some of the negatives. You know what I mean? You mean Christmas? Like it's got all of the positives of, you know, like the family togetherness and the caring for each other and being grateful and breaking bread. And it doesn't have the need for massive amounts of presents under Christmas. The intense consumer (laughs) stress that comes with it, right? Um, I, it it's, a, it's a great holiday. Well, it's, it's, it's more secular and, you know, it, it open to, uh, to everybody, not the Christmas. Yeah. Isn't so that actually um, brings up an interesting point. You know, Kaylin, we just had our um, holiday book has just hit newsstands. If you're a subscriber, it came in your newspaper, um, but it's also available if you're not at various locations across both the North and South Fork. And one of the pieces that Kaylin wrote about for this year's holiday book was on Nunawa, which is actually the Indigenous People's Harvest Celebration and is something that the Shinnecock Nation um, celebrates as well. So Kaylin, do you want to tell us a little bit about Nanawa, which happens, it actually happened last week, right? Yes, it's the week before Thanksgiving on that Friday, I believe. And this is actually the second time I've written about Nanawa. And I really enjoyed writing about it this time because I got to speak with Josephine Smith, who is a well-known Shinnecock elder. It's funny because I said, I guess I refer to you as an elder now. And she kind of laughed and was like, yes, I technically am over the age threshold to be considered an elder. But, um, you know, she is an incredible, she's she's incredible at making food. And so Nanawa is really special to her. But I thought one of the things that was interesting that she told me about Nanawa is that, you know, we think of Thanksgiving as this like annual event where you're giving thanks for this, the, the food and the, you know, the bounty of the food on the table, but they, in, in Shinnecock culture, giving thanks for what the earth has provided isn't something that is only done once a year. They have lots of different celebratory aspects around different seasons and, you know, thanking the earth and creator for what they they have for the bounty of the food they're able to have you know in the spring they do a lot of um traditions and celebrating around the strawberry season um of course there's the powwow at the end of the year so they don't necessarily think of it as like this one one annual event where we're giving thanks it's sort of like one of several times of year where they have that sort of spirit of um being grateful for what the earth provides them I thought what was interesting in reading your story that they also sort of tie it into Veterans Day and they see it as a way to kind of thank um, tribal members who have served in the military. Right. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of so it was not just the harvest, but it was also about Veterans Day. And I guess also a response to the Thanksgiving, which is kind of a hallmark holiday in a way that it's presented as this friendly meeting between the first Europeans and the Native Americans as if that went well um, throughout history. Yeah, I mean, that whole history has been a little, um, you know, the things that we were traditionally taught about what that was all about and that are kind of still taught in terms of, you know, pilgrims and Native Americans kind of like happily sharing a meal together. Um, You know, there's there's some different schools of thought on the extent to which that narrative is true. But, you know, it, it's, it's um, you know, I've, in speaking to Josephine and, and the last time I wrote about Nanawa, I spoke with Autumn Rose Williams, who's like a very young and energetic activist and leader from the Shinnecock Nation. You know, they don't, they won't say like, oh, we hate Thanksgiving, we don't celebrate it. But um, on, on Shinnecock, you know, a lot of what it's about is the Nanawa celebration is kind of like this big community gathering where they have like um, a feast kind of 
together. Thanksgiving tends to be more of, you know, smaller family gatherings, but none of really when the community really kind of comes together. They do a lot of traditional dances. They, they have, like, sometimes they have like vendors will set up goods there and sell things. And it's more of like a bigger community gathering than Thanksgiving is. I was just going to say, I have to point out that the Shinnecock Nation has been very inclusive with Nunawa. I've been invited to it myself. Um, they, they do have friends of the nation mm -hmm. invited in for this event. So it's not an exclusionary event at all. It's, it's really a, the community and the people who are close to the community who are invited to it. So it's a, it's a very inclusive event. So my, my question was, is Nunawa specific to the Shinnecock only, or does a lot of Native American tribes celebrate Nunawa across the country? It's not really specific, but they, you know, I think they all have somewhat of their own um, twist on it. But I do think that there are a lot of celebrations like that and that it is sort of a traditional thing to celebrate kind of at that harvest time and just. Do they, but do they, do they use that word? Like if you said Nanawa to other tribes, they would know that is. I think Nanawa is a Shinnecock specific. Word. Right. That's what and I was it, wondering. From what Josephine told me, it means harvest. It just kind of loosely translate to, to harvest time. Mm. So um, it, I don't think it's really, because you know there's so many tribes and they all have their own languages. So that word, from what I understand is a, is a Shinnecock specific word. And I guess also when you're talking about um, tribes like in the plain states, a lot of them, they didn't grow crops. So the heart, you know, what they would celebrate would maybe be much different. Mm -hmm. I think just like the idea of being, like having real reverence for what, you know, the earth provides is is something that indigenous people have really passed down through generations and they understand that a lot of the time better than other people do. Those are common sentiments yeah. throughout the different tribes. Something we can all learn from, especially in this era of uh, climate change, I would mm. say. I think it's interesting. They also like they really celebrate the local food traditions mm -hmm. too. So yeah. really different stuff like turkey and venison, mm -hmm. beans, right. cranberries, syrup, squash, mm -hmm. succotash. You know, mm -hmm. and um, and what were some of the other? Um, were there some other foods that you? So um, um, when I went to see Josephine, she had you know she had set up some of the foods that she had made and she made a clam, like a clam soup or clam chowder that was really, really good. And I'm not really a big shellfish person, but I really enjoyed it. It was almost like uh, a combination of like a Manhattan and a New England clam chowder, mm -hmm. sort of like the best of both. <laughs> um, and seafood for many mm -hmm. of the celebrations I have all at, throughout the year is always a theme because I mean they are the people of the shore so that's always you know part of any kind of uh spread that they're putting on um she puts you know she made the she had like a wild rice but it was a little sweetened with um maple syrup and it was delicious um now I just want to put maple syrup in like everything <laughs> made it it's really good nothing wrong with that yeah did she make samp is that a do they, do they actually serve samp as part of the holiday? Because my impression always, and I may be completely wrong about this, and please correct me if I am, but samp was more of a sustaining food for the tribe. Um, it was like the food that got them through the winter, basically. And it, was, it wasn't necessarily made to be a delicious food. It was made to be a nutritious food that sort of helped right. survive the winter. She mentioned that as well. I think, you know, it might not... I mean, it probably serves that role. And so maybe it's not something that people are. Can, can we explain to the listeners what SAMP is? Yeah, so SAMP is like a hearty kind of soup, which is made with hominy, which is like a dried white corn, um, kind of white beans, navy beans, but you can really customize it. Like Josephine was telling me that, you know, some people will add meat to it that it used to traditionally be cooked with uh, salt pork, but some people will put smoked turkey in it. And she, it was interesting, she mentioned um, the turkey because she specifically mentioned alpha-gal and how some people have that meat, that tick-borne meat allergy. And so, um, you know, that's an obvious like substitute that you would wanna use. But it's one of those recipes that I think like 
you can really mm-hmm. customize however you like and modernize probably too right i think i think originally sam may not have included I, and again i'm speaking just purely from memory here but i think it it was it, you used like a fat substance yeah more yeah. than you actually use meat it was it was more about just trying to create mm-hmm. like a gruel right. that just sort of get you through the winter so it probably depended on what you had on hand if, if you had an animal you know that's maybe why it became a celebratory dish because if you had an animal to put in it absolutely that meant that you were doing really well and let's celebrate you know i just think it's an amazing little bit of uh the culture of of the right. nation that's that's great that it still survives today well and then there's succotash as well and they and they brought it back, you know. I mean, one of the things in Kaylin's story, it talks about how a lot of those um, those traditional ceremonies had been outlawed um, until the American Indian Freedom of Religion Act wow. in the seventies, which allowed them to bring back these traditions. So it's sort of like a lot of cultures, like how the Irish culture has, like they've tried to get rid of the, the languages and and you know the and that sort of thing. So it's kind of references that. But there was another dish, Kaylin, in your story that I thought was interesting was slump which was, yes. um, I love the name of that. Yeah. So that's, I guess, like, sort of like boiled berries, almost like berries boiled into like a, a thick like a berry soup. And then they drop like dumplings, they uh, drop dumplings in it. So I guess it's like a berry soup with like little pieces of dumpling in it or something. Yes, please. That sounds pretty that interesting. Good. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what was my thought too. Almost like a cobbler, but that's what I'm thinking. Cobbler, like, yeah, I thought that one was interesting too, and I did yeah. love the name Slum. <laughs> did, did, did she have anything prepared other than the chowder that you could try? Any of the desserts or anything that were um, ready to go? She didn't have any of the desserts because she wasn't really at like at the time that I did that story. We were, you know, a little further out from yeah. the season, so she wasn't. Um, she had didn't have any of that prepared, but. Um, but yeah, I, I may have to. Well, maybe your Nona, your um, Nona invitation is in the mail. You know. I know, that would be nice. I would definitely go. And Josephine's, I mean, she was a f- food vendor for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And so she's a really talented. I mean, she's a talented cook, but she, and she's also a talented artisan as well. She made jewelry and stuff. So she's a, she's a very well-accomplished and impressive uh, person. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sac Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. Carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. So what are some of your guys' favorite? I know we've talked about this, but it was a year ago. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Um, what are some of your favorite Thanksgiving traditions or foods? I love just about everything about Thanksgiving dinner. But my favorite <laughs> thing is probably uh, Dana makes her grandmother's baked corn, which is mm. creamed, creamed corn that's basically thickened and baked. And it, it's not really? cornbread. It's not creamed corn. It's somewhere in the wide range between those two things. And it's just one of my favorite. Actually, what she does is I believe you mix cream corn with cornbread mix. And so you end up with something sort of in between those two. And it's just, I always ask mm-hmm. her to make like a triple batch of that. And, and that and the, the other thing that I have now, I'm, I, I'm on a lifelong mission to perfect my sweet potato casserole uh recipe every year i attempt yeah i i tamper every year i experiment i add something new to it i add take something away like i've learned to cook with a lot less sugar um because it doesn't really need it but uh that's one of my favorite things of of this time of year is making and i'll make it for thanksgiving dinner but i'll also make it three or four times between Thanksgiving and Christmas because it it works as a side dish, it works as a dessert, it works as a as a 
1130 at night meal if you're if you're hungry it's it works for breakfast in, in it's, a, it's a floor wax too right it's, it's, it's also a floor wax. <laughs> it works good if you're just feeling some feelings you know, i'm curious is dana's corn recipe is it her family recipe is it from an ethnic background or is it just something that was invented do you think in pittsburgh like the green bean casserole was probably invented in my own i think probably the latter yeah just it was it was a family tradition i'm not sure it it is uh dana's family is italian and syrian mm -hmm. and i don't think it comes from either of those traditions it's kind of funny i mean i hadn't really thought about this but one of the stories that ran in this week's paper is um, with Amy Kerwin um, and her friend Rebecca, I think Radon is her last name. They do Two Jews Making Food, this new show they're doing on LTV. And we were talking about, you know, the Jewish tradition and food. And, and Rebecca said, which I thought was interesting, is that she's like, nobody as an adult who's never had it before is going to say they love gefilte fish. But when you grow up with this stuff, it sort of like becomes this like great memory. And she was saying how like one of her relatives throws um, ketchup and borscht or something really weird, but there's these very strange food traditions that maybe come out of like a little bit, like maybe tough times, you know, the idea of using ketchup sure. as a spice, or for example, in Hawaii where spam is, is a huge mm. loved dish. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's interesting when you have, mm. and I think that that might be where the green bean casserole came from, you know, a can of, can of uh, mushroom soup by Campbell's and some of those crunchy onions and some, you know, green beans. It's like, it's like these, Soup it these up. cheap dishes or maybe were developed in the sixties or something like that, but are now like beloved classics, which is kind of an interesting concept. You could put those canned onions on my whole life. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. What? Canned <laughs> really good. Hashtag canned onion life. I like that. So they have the the jalapeno ones now instead of the onions. It's the no. yeah. So, oh, no. they're, it's pretty. They're no. pretty good actually. Instead of, instead of onion, it's jalapeno. Why well, mess with a good thing? I would try this. I, I wouldn't mess with a good thing. So is the green bean casserole a guilty pleasure for any of you, or do you just not? I love the green. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh yeah. Oh, I love Very it. Good. I love it. My dad makes it. My dad is like the king of those kind of things at Thanksgiving, like. He so he makes the sweet potato casserole and my kids it's like their dream every year and he bought ah. a blowtorch uh -huh. from Williams and Sonoma and it's like his favorite thing. Okay, so let me let me compare notes. Marsh marshmallows or no marshmallows? Oh, absolutely marshmallows. What do you think he got the blowtorch for? Wait. Oh, on the sweet potatoes. I was thinking. I was still like my mind was still on the green casserole. Oh no. And not the green bean casserole. Oh, it's still on the green bean thing. Okay. Okay. See, I top. I top. You top it. You I just top put, with marshmallows. You put wow. the marshmallows on top, and then you you take the tiny little food blowtorch and you like brown them. Okay, that's sort of okay. Now, listen. Shout out to Dennis Brophy. He's like the king of the sweet potato. All right. So, are Dennis Brophy's sweet potato casserole is it lumpy or is it is it uh, no, puree? It's pretty. It's pureed. Okay, oh, so that's pureed. how I do it as well. I learned and, that. Um, spoiler alert: He is not trying to eliminate sugar. No, uh, there's still sh and and I got to tell you, whatever sugar is out, butter is really or out. butter. Yeah, the butter is yeah. taking the place of the sugar, so it, it doesn't make that much of it. Like but if, I, if the rest the recipe would say sugar a lot, <laughs> butter. Okay, <laughs> walnuts, <laughs> walnuts, pecans. <laughs> No, uh-uh. None of that. Oh, no. Oh, see, pecans are a big part of the Shah. Interesting. Uh, casserole. I mean, but, again, are these things like regional? You know, are these are Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh versus- Actually, no, that know, one isn't. Know. That one was sort of my own mm -hmm. invention. And it's it's actually done in the food processor. So you get very tiny particles of of uh, of pecan. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's almost like a- uh, uh, I don't know. It's like a. Uh, I feel like batter. this would be like a crunchy peanut butter versus smooth peanut butter kind of debate. Though. Yeah, and it, there's no right or wrong to that. I'm just comparing notes. I'm curious what. Yeah. What your dad's now? Now I sort of want to do a side by side taste test. <laughs> I want to see. I just want to see. And and again, there doesn't have to be a winner. I'm not looking to win or lose. I'm just looking to compare notes. I, I think that's too bad. The Southampton press office doesn't have a test kitchen, well, or does it? It's an idea. We we could set up a test. I mean, we probably have enough room at this point of empty space where we, we could develop could. one. But, <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? We could do like a cooking show. <laughs> you know what's good is 
what 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 vegetable has had a bigger oh, yes. glow up than the Brussels sprout in recent yeah, years? Right? I love Brussels sprout. It used to be like the poster child for like this is the vegetable that sucks the most, and now now it's like it is hip and happy. Yeah, right. That because people stopped boiling it to death. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the only way. I yeah, ever exactly. Ate it. it was terrible. You know. I made a recipe for a friend's Thanksgiving. She asked me to make them called Screaming Heads and it's a Brussels sprout recipe. But they're the only thing, I mean, there is hardly anything green in it other than the Brussels sprouts. It is the most decadent, fat-filled, just look it up, Brussels, like Screaming Heads. Just look it up. That's all you need to do. I it's love just them. like the best. laden with all sorts. We did ours like roasted with, um, with um, like bacon, mm-hmm. like thick cut bacon, like chopped up small, um, and then uh, some apple cider vinegar, and it was yeah. really yummy. But it did just taste like a boiled Brussels sprout. <laughs> I think I've also roasted them with a little bit of maple syrup and yep. cranberries. Mm-hmm. They yeah. come out like really bright green with the green mm-hmm. and the red. It's like they're very festive. You know, one of the best things I ever had uh, for Thanksgiving was one year, and I think it was Becky Cooper who was one of our former reporters from Hampton Bays. And she came back and I said, or no, she was still working with us at the time. And she brought in um, sugared cranberries. And um, Bill, I don't know if you remember this, Becky Cooper's sugared cranberries that she I, brought I in. Do remember, I do remember. I'm not a big fan of cranberries, but those were, those were pretty good. They were sweet. They were so amazing. They were just like whole cranberries that had been, I think, maybe just cooked very slightly because they were still really sort of cranberries. They were strong, you know, solid cranberries, but they were sugared. And that sugar just took a little bit of the tartness away. And they were, it was like, it was like laced potato chips. I couldn't stop eating them. And, I hate to tell you, it probably also took away any health benefits as well, but. Uh, I know. Listen, we're not, even, we're not about health benefits on Thanksgiving. No, not at all. Not today, not on this day. Why is this day different from all others? <laughs> Yeah, I've, why are we discussing health benefits? You can't talk about health benefits when my husband puts like two pounds of butter and like a quart of half and half into the mashed potatoes. Yeah, okay, so this is what I wanna know. What, because Gavin being the only chef of the organization here, what what do you look forward to that Gavin makes for Thanksgiving every year? Well, we're very traditional. Um, you know, first up, we do like source a lot of our stuff locally. Um, we get our turkeys from North Sea Farm every year. We've already placed our order. Um, and so we're really excited about that. And so we will brine the turkey. Um, and then we do like the the paper bag roast, which is a way you roast your turkey inside, as long as it doesn't have any ink on it, obviously, uh, just a plain brown big paper bag, and it helps keep everything like juicy and moist. Um, so we, you know, we have turkey, he makes his mashed potatoes, which are amazing. And I mean, you are, it's a calorie fest. It's filled with all kinds of fat. Um, we also do a roasted root vegetables with, um, a big variety of root vegetables, like rutabaga, celery root, sweet potatoes, um, turnips. Turnips are so good. I have never had a rutabaga or a turnip. They're pretty good. I got to tell you, the rutabaga is worth checking out. We roast those together and then we toss it. We make a pumpkin seed butter and we toss that in a pumpkin seed butter. So that's kind of, I guess, a little different. Um, We do, we do both mash sweet and mash Yukon potatoes, but the gravy is really what we probably spend the most time working on because we will actually roast an entire Turkey the day before Thanksgiving um, which then we'll slice up. And what's nice is you can make like little care packages for your family so that they can go home with stuff for turkey sandwiches, which is what we do. Um, but then you have all of the juice from that turkey oh, wow. to add to your juice from the Thanksgiving turkey so you can make a really deep, rich gravy. And when it's really on, it's such a dark brown. It almost borders like a black color. It's the bonus um, gravy turkey. Oh my God. This is amazing. Yeah. And it's it's like, that's the most important thing. <laughs> is it going to be awkward when I show up at your house with my kids for Thanksgiving? Only if you get there around the same time I do, Kaylin, and we have to go through the door together. And no, like don't add flour, like tons of flour, none of that. 
Joe, if they cap the number of people allowed in, I'm, I will take you out. <laughs> I have actually done Thanksgiving with the Manus. It was very memorable. We even had like a Kennedy-esque game of football in the street. I remember. We did. We played football in the street. We did. Remember, we took a walk and we brought the football and yeah, we did. Oh, I mean, we are always open for Thanksgiving. So we actually, this year we're doing it at my mother's house. It'll be the first time you know, in a couple of years that, um, we've all gotten together. Certainly we didn't do that last year. We still made as much food as we would have for 20 people last year, but it was just us. Um, but you know, we have friends that join us. Um, our staff photographer, Michael Heller, um, has joined us for every Thanksgiving for, I think 12 years. Anytime we've been here, he has Thanksgiving with us. Um, yeah, it's just really nice, but we don't outside of the roasted root vegetables and just like putting a lot of technique into what we do. Um, we don't like have like out of the box, like cool, crazy dishes really on our menu. It is, you know, a pretty traditional menu. So just a, a side note, Joe, if you said you've never had turnips, you have to go to the modern snack bar in, in Riverhead. Yes. They, they literally, they, they sell literally tons of mashed turnips every year. You've never tasted anything like that. They're just absolutely phenomenal. So you can get it. You can get it. If you go eat there, you can get them, but you can get, um, you can get quarts, uh, quarts of turnips to go. Listen, we order them for Thanksgiving. We're not, we're not trying to break our arms cutting turnips. We just get them from modern snack bar. Oh, I'm very familiar, but I've never had them. We actually have a story on that in the holiday book this year. Jennifer Core went and did a piece on that. So is that the kind of place you could just walk in and get a seat or do you have to make reservations for that place? No, no, you can walk in and get a seat, but that's, I mean. It depends on when you go. I mean, it can be pretty packed. Yeah, it, it can get very busy, but around the holidays, uh, we, we tend to go there in November and December about six times for lunch and dinner because it reminds us so much of the, old-fashioned diners back home. Um, it's very friendly. It's it's very sort of modest and the food is good and everybody's so nice there. A time capsule in that place too. Yeah, it really is. Whenever Dave's mom comes to visit from Florida, she always wants to go there. They get like the sour broughton. Yeah, get it yeah, in. yeah. Let you know, the red cabbage. Let us know next time you guys go. Oh we'll go yeah, it's yeah, I think I want to make a pilgrimage too. And I, it's interesting that he was telling um, Jen um, for the story that, you know, basically like families will plan their whole holiday meal around yeah. those yeah. turnips and you can just go in and buy these frozen quarts yeah. of it and then you bring it home and keep it in your freezer until Thanksgiving and pop it yeah. on out. I'm going to have to try it this year, I think. Fantastic. Never had a turnip. Uh, Never had one. Oh, missing out. I'm going to bring you some, Joe. And never had a rutabaga. I wouldn't know a rutabaga if uh, you laid it in front of me. Uh, same. I've never had a rutabaga either. So you're not alone there. But the turnips, you have to try the turnips. They're so good. All right. Yeah. You know what? We also started um, using this fall and I haven't used it too much. And we might incorporate it into our roasted root vegetable, our Jerusalem artichokes which are very turnip in quality. Um, we just had a, a bunch that we roasted up with potatoes last week. And, um, you know, they've got a little bit more of an earthy soft feel when you roast them compared to like a potato, but it, they were really delicious and would go really well in any sort of dish mm. like that. Hmm. We are talking about all this food and it's like almost five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ate a salad for lunch. I'm like, <laughs> yes. but remember this is going to be airing on thanksgiving so you are really stopped and watching football right now that's right that's right so before we wrap up let's talk desserts oh yeah okay so in our house of course we have the pumpkin pie and the we usually have like an apple crisp and then um we'll have like a pecan pie usually but then my aunt kitty makes this chocolate tort cake mm -hmm. that is like definitely tradition for our family. And it's um, a chocolate cake. And then it, the la it's layered with this, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like this crunchy, caramelly, um, like almost, it's like the second layer and it's made out of Nilla wafers as its base. Mm. So it's like the cake and this like crunchy, buttery, caramelly deliciousness and then whipped cream. And that's, and it's layered 
over and over again and then topped with whipped cream and you can't eat a lot of it because it's like sugar bomb flavor explosion but it is delicious whatever you have left over think think of me yeah take a photo of it this year it's hard for me to picture i will i'll take a photo i should put that in like a holiday book magazine because honestly i've never had a cake like it and it's like something we all think about all year I had an aunt that did something similar with Nilla wafers, but I'm not sure it's the same thing, but it was, it was kind of layered like that. And it would soak up the Nilla wafers would just soak up all the, all the stuff. It was yeah, Speaking of, of Nilla wafers, I just remember we had the, the cookie book, the Betty Crocker cookie book. And there was the gingerbread house with the Nilla wafers on the roof. Mm. Oh man. Every year I'm like, let's make this. And there's like, no, we're doing snickerdoodles, you know, something really pedestrian. So we never, never made the fancy house with the little, peppermint stick chin. has anyone ever tried to do a, a, no. a homemade gingerbread I house I a homemade gingerbread house with my kids every year and it's a stress-free joyful experience and I'm <laughs> i yeah we have to do them every year subcontract that out to somebody someone i i have a vendetta against is who i'll subcontract that out <laughs> totally that's so much fun i love that part of the holidays <laughs> Georgie, I will counter with Dana's greatest accomplishment in the culinary world, which is her marbled chocolate pumpkin cheesecake, which is, I think, my favorite. It may be my favorite thing on the planet. It is spectacular. Um, And that has become sort of the nod to the traditional pumpkin pie, but uh, it is just, it takes... I love pumpkin pie. By the way, Same. I grew up not liking pumpkin pie at all. Same. I was never a fan. Not my thing. Now I love it. I, I love pumpkin pie. I'm sorry, but I, I don't. I don't care for it. I'll have a. I'd, I'd rather have a sweet potato pie I, than a pumpkin. Yeah, pie. I, you know, yeah. I love this cherry pie. I love a cherry pie, but I'm a big fan of cherry and apple pie. Yeah, but I can only eat pumpkin pie. Like I do like yeah. pumpkin pie, but it's like I can only eat it on Thanksgiving, like any other day of the year, and I might not like it. So, Joe, is that is that a, again is that a, a Dana um, family recipe or one that she found or made? No, that was a that was that was from that was from a cookbook mm-hmm. that she has now adopted into our uh, our annual tradition, and it is one of my favorite things in the world. And we really only do it. For the holidays so that's great you know and there's another really cool thing we haven't done in, in a lot of years but maybe i'll do it this year because i haven't done it for a while um and it's i can do it and give it as gifts it's a recipe i have for hot buttered oh, rum yeah mm. and it's made with vanilla ice cream and butter and rum and sugar and basically powdered sugar. That's basically what it is. And then you put it all in, you put a little bit of rum in it and you put it in a, in a jar, a mason jar. And the way it works is you give it to people and they take a giant tablespoon, heaping tablespoon of the substance, put it in a, in a cup and fill it with hot water. And then if you want, you can add more rum because, but there's really just a little bit of rum in it for flavor. You can add more rum to it, but you don't have to. And it's just delicious. It really is. It's it's a it's it's a again very decadent drink, but it's it's. Uh, so you put wait, you put ice cream in it, but then it basically just becomes cream because it's hot. Yeah. So, so it, it's what you make is a hot buttered rum mix. That, as I said, as I remember, it's it's basically ice cream, powdered sugar, rum, and there may be one or two other little elements in there. That, that sounds and, really complicated. Is there any rum left by the time you're done making it? <laughs> Well, if you're, if you're doing it properly, you usually pretty much come out of it. It's it's really tasty. I mean, the rum is like salt. You just Absolutely. add to taste, you know, it just needs a little more. So, Kaylin, that sounds like a really good homemade teacher's gift. Yeah. Well, what we've done in the past is give it away. You give a mason jar of it with a bottle Ooh, of rum. Nice. So mm. maybe, maybe I'll do that. Maybe you guys can keep your eyes open uh, and we'll see if... Uh, some of you may get that for Christmas this year. I might get that for all my kids' teachers. The rum fairy brings it. Mm, yeah, those teachers will love you. I think you. they like it when you give them cash or alcohol. Or yeah. Can a kid walk yeah. into school and give a bottle of rum for, I would think that would you'd run the risk of expulsion. 
I'm not going to name any names, but I definitely know of people who have just given teachers alcohol for gifts. It and it's all, like you know, <laughs> it's been well received. See a seven-year-old in the police squatter for uh, bringing alcohol in school. I don't know if they brought it like into school or if they found another way to get it to them mm-hmm. somehow, but you know. Just wait until pot becomes legal. Teacher <laughs> gifts are going to really go to a new level. I was going to say, I'm thinking edibles. Oh, edibles will be apple flavored edibles. Yeah, we'll wait till the kids like find the gummies on the teacher's desk. We're all going to be. Oh God. What's the What's the Adam Sandler movie with Miss Miss the teacher that's like sniffing the glue at recess? Oh, um, Billy Madison. Yes, <laughs> the first grade teacher. Yeah. Well, the great thing about it is if a kid gets caught with the edibles on school property, you can say, no, it's a gift for my teacher. I, they're not mine. They're not mine. They're for the teacher. Oh, we are. So, good thing we're not in school anymore. We would be in so much trouble. We would be expelled. Yeah. Got <laughs> through that one. Dana and I went through our entire kitchen last night and cleaned out all of the cupboards and reorganized them in preparation. So we're ready. Uh, we're ready. That sounds so satisfying. It was. It really was. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Our big winner project is going to be to take all the sheets out of the linen closet and try to figure out what size they are. Because you ever notice they're making sheets these days without tags that say what size they are. And it's a friggin' nightmare. And so, yeah. And then like my husband's like got some sharp toenails and he's ripped so many bottom (laughs) sheets. Like I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so we have all these top sheets, but the bottom sheets are like ready to go to ARF. You know, it's that's what I want Santa to bring me is new king size sheets for Christmas. <laughs> I've said our entire house is booby trapped. No matter what I go to do, I knock something else down or something. Fall. If I go to get a baking pan, a bowl falls out and smashes on the ground or something. It's just the entire house is booby trapped. So we unbooby trapped the kitchen last night and it was very satisfying. That's probably the elf on the shelf, Joe, in his off season. He comes in and <laughs> knocks your balls over and stuff. Yeah, that's true. There you go. There you go. All right, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.